Hello, and welcome once again to Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. I am Chris Levine, and I will be your host again this time around. It's been said that after silence, that which comes nearest to expressing the inexpressible is music. And regardless of our age, the decade we were born in, or our personal taste, for most of us, music whether incidentally or by design, is a soundtrack to our lives. Now, today, we are focusing on two decades of music in particular, the 1960s and the 1970s. Why? Well, because the popular music of the 60s, as well as what it morphed into in the 70s, uh, changed in many ways from the music that came before it. Now, there's two main reasons that we're going to cover this together and why this happened. The first one, we're going to talk about what the songs themselves were saying, as well as what we're going to tackle first, who actually wrote them. So let's start there. How does factoring in who actually wrote the songs qualify as, I guess, what you would call revolutionary for popular music? Well, at a certain point within the 1960s, artists like never before were writing their own songs, their own music, their own words, or both. Now, up to this time, the normal procedure for most popular music was hiring a professional songwriter and essentially delivering a single to an artist. Case in point, think Frank Sinatra or Elvis Presley. These two are considered giants musically of their time, and rightfully so. But they themselves never wrote the majority, if not really any, of their hit songs. It was done for them. Case in point again, take the Elvis song Jailhouse, Jailhouse Rock. And Jailhouse Rock was written by Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller. Now, both audibly and especially visually, Elvis made this his song. Jailhouse Rock is an Elvis Presley song, and often artists like these made their songs theirs by the presentation. But our point is that they themselves at this time, for the most part, did not pen them. Even in the early 60s, this was still very much the case. Uh, think about Motown, for example, which was a glorious musical part of the 1960s. A hugely popular group like the Supremes, never considered writing their own material at the peak of their popularity. I had the privilege of interviewing Mary Wilson of the Supremes, and she said she loved just being surrounded by such talented people who could write and play so beautifully. Writers like Smokey Robinson, who, along with his own hits with his group, The Miracles, wrote many others for various groups on the Motown label. For example, when people think of the classic My Girl, they think of the temptations and why wouldn't you but smoky robinson wrote that song similarly when they think of the song my guy they may remember it as a hit for mary wells which she does but again mary wells was hand delivered this song by its writer you guessed it 
Smokey Robinson. Now, of course, there is nothing wrong with any of this. In fact, it often led to some pretty great things. Uh, Respect by Aretha Franklin is a beautiful example. How can we not think of Aretha Franklin when we hear the song Respect? But she didn't write it. In fact, believe it or not, it was not written or intended to be sung by a woman. It was written and recorded by Otis Redding. Aretha simply covered it. But but really, even that being the case, her version of it spoke volumes as it took on a new meaning completely about men showing respect for women. You see, in his original version, Otis Redding wanted respect from his partner when he got home from work. Aretha, in her version, wanted her partner to show her respect when he got home. Now, the interesting thing is it was the exact same song. It was simply perfectly suited to both perspectives for their own reasons, for their own interpretations. But you know, something happened in the 1960s that caught fire and set a brand new trend. A band from England became inconceivably popular globally. They had a new sound, a new style, and something else. This band, yes, they did do some covers, but they wrote their own songs. In this way, that band, the Beatles, changed everything. And again, it's true. They released cover versions of other people's songs too, which they always gave them credit for. But their biggest hits and most popular songs were written by the Beatles themselves. They didn't look like anyone else. Their rock songs had folk chord changes in them, which really didn't exist up to that point in rock or rock and roll. And having original material was just not something most groups did, as again, they were often professional songwriters providing the material to them, or they just covered other people's material. Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones once stated that until they saw the Beatles do it, They never even thought to write their own songs. So if there were no Beatles, uh, the Rolling Stones may have just been a really great cover band that handled their favorite American blues songs to small audiences. And they weren't alone. Uh, What follows next are bands in numerous countries being more individually creative and exploring their own capabilities by writing their own songs. This led to a, hey, maybe I can do this too feeling and a new revolution of bands starting to sprout up everywhere. Now, the Motown world was slightly affected here too. An artist like Stevie Wonder not only started to write his own material, but in some cases played all the instruments or most of them on his albums as well. Marvin Gaye famously also took the reins of some of his work as well. A side point, a really fun thing to do is to type 1960s garage bands into YouTube. 1960s garage bands. You will find dozens and dozens of bands you've never heard of that just threw their musical hats in the ring back then. In fact, you'll find tons of groups from all over the world where young people with limited skills but lots of enthusiasm just went for it. Even releasing 45s of their singles along the way on little record labels that a lot of the times they just created for themselves. Interestingly enough, since we're talking about the 70s too, this is almost identical in nature 
to exactly what happened in the 1970s when the punk movement started. Again, you had these short, punchy songs with more enthusiasms in many cases than what was being played on the radio, totally created by young people that convinced themselves that sometimes with nothing more than self-confidence, they could make a song. That DIY do-it-yourself ethic was once again in place. To highlight this connection, I had interviewed Ivan Krall of a band that started in New York, uh, which is what's considered to be the birthplace of American punk. And Ivan Krall was in the Patti Smith group. Now, his, his bandmate, guitarist Lenny Kay, collected, found, and ultimately helped release a very popular compilation called Nuggets. The Nuggets compilations are awesome. What were they? Well, the Nuggets collection are song after song of mostly unknown 60s garage bands that very much inspired the punk movement. So a new revolution of self-expression began as artists didn't just interpret the songs, they more often than not actually created them. So then going back to the 1960s, what would they write about? How far artistically could they go? There are many, many examples of people pushing the social and political envelope in their work, some subtly, some symbolically, and some blatantly, that all three caught fire and really connected with a global audience. Now, someone who did all three of those was Bob Dylan. Now, people delved into his lyrics. His lyrics were listened to with a fine-tooth comb and with intensity. Sometimes they seem to make an impact even without one clearly knowing why they did. Let's take an example. Think of his song, Ballad of a Thin Man. Okay, let's break it down. Who was the thin man? Who was Mr. Jones? A journalist, a politician, a rival of his, he himself? And what do the other words mean? We can read many, many interpretations of songs like this on the internet, but who's right? One thing though was for sure, it was obvious. It was in the man's voice. Dylan was angry. And if you were angry about something as a listener, you could be angry right along with him and emphatically agree with these lyrics, even if you don't truly understand them, because you still get it, because you got the sentiment. This kind of writing was a very, very new concept, especially in the world of popular music. Whether people liked it or understood it, it was there, and it was revolutionary. Often artists grew and then stretched out artistically along the way. Along these lines, we obviously have to mention Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys. Now, here's an artist that turned what was possible to release as a pop record into endless possibility. Here's what happened. He decided personally to stop touring. His band just went on the road without him. He then stayed home and composed on his own with some of the most talented studio musicians in the world at the time, collectively referred to as the Wrecking Crew. He created music like no other Beach Boys music that came before it. This was true to such an extent that when the band got home from tour, at least one of them went on record as challenging this. But it was recorded and released anyway that album being the now considered classic album Pet Sounds. It didn't immediately catch on like the old surfing and hot rod songs did. 
but it made an impact. Guess who it made an impact on? The Beatles. So artists are passing the torch. The Beatles may not have thought to do Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band if there was no pet sounds first. And this is just one example. The Velvet Underground was another band in New York at the time, and a famous quote about them was this. Few people heard them, but all of those that did would go on to form a band. The Doors, for example, David Bowie, Iggy Pop, many others in the 60s and 70s took the Velvet Underground formulas and just made them their own, resulting in totally new original music. If we care to take this further, just David Bowie alone helped inspire electronica, glam rock, concept character albums, theater in the rock arena, new wave music, and to some degree, industrial music. Uh, the music of the 1960s and the 1970s, they meant new musical landscapes with bits and pieces of what came before. Meanwhile, music that had been around for a bit was now newly popularized, like reggae and punk rock and disco along with other genres just all floating around at the time in the musical universe, coexisting with one another. It's funny, John Lennon was a rock and roll purist as far as he was concerned. In fact, he was quoted as saying that he felt that rock and roll really hadn't gotten better than when Chuck Berry originally did it. But rock and roll morphed into rock by the 60s and especially by the 70s. With this transformation, so many styles, sounds, flavors, and feels evolved. Now these days, it's kind of sad to me because it feels as though we've kind of gone backwards. It's interesting that most, most pop songs are again being written either completely or at least partially by company paid songwriters for most artists obviously with some exceptions. It's, it's amazing how when somebody wins a Grammy, there's like six names as to the people that wrote the song and one singer that actually sang the song. And most pop songs have gone back to basics, relationships, love, breakups, attraction. There's nothing like being for the benefit of Mr. Kite these days, at least in popular music. The, things have gotten less artistic and less intellectual musically in popular music. But for a time, there really was a musical revolution in the air. And as long as we have the music, we can always tap into it, be moved by it, and more than anything else, even if we weren't there, we can enjoy it. We once again have arrived at the time on Refresher when we present you with a Spotify playlist that I hope represents the two decades as fairly and as evenly as possible in only 10 songs. This was hard to do. And I'm sure if you make a list, it'll be just as good as this one because there's so much good stuff out there. But we have for you this time around a refresher podcast, 1960s and 1970s playlist. You can find it really easily on Spotify. Just type in refresher podcast, 1960s and 1970s. Let's look at our 10, 10 choices here. Track number one is The Supremes with a beautifully awesome, catchy, rhythmic song 
called Love is Like an Itching in My Heart. Think that might be my favorite song by the Supremes. Maybe. Number two, Bob Dylan, Like a Rolling Stone. Number three, The Beach Boys, God Only Knows. Number four, The Beatles, Strawberry Fields Forever. Number five, Creedence Clearwater Revival, Born on the Bayou. Number six, The Rolling Stones, Can't You Hear Me Knocking. Number seven, Roxy Music with Virginia Plain. Number eight, The Emotions with Best of My Love. Number nine, The Ramones with Rockaway Beach. And number 10 is M with Pop Music. Just trying to at least touch on so many of the variants that were there in the 60s and 70s. That is our new playlist. Again, you can find this playlist really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher Podcast 1960s and 1970s. Well, we have some new listeners, and our demographic report shows that we now have listeners in Tasmania, Australia. How cool is that? Welcome to Refresher. We're so glad that you, you came aboard. You know, this show simply would not exist without you. If you could all do me a favor and please continue to pass this podcast along to your friends. Also, if you'd like to help keep these podcasts stay up and running, if you would like, you can make a small monthly contribution. Just see the support this podcast link under the episode description. You can also check out our website for everything and anything Refresher at refresherpodcast.yolasite.com. You can get Refresher gear there, as well as all of my books and links to friends of our show. That is refresherpodcast.yolasite.com. As always, the bumper music of this show, the heart of this show, the music that begins and ends this podcast is by the band Dive. The song is called A Day Late, and it was written by none other than Mr. John Villafuerte. But until next time, this is Chris Levine for Refresher, the pop culture therapy podcast. Don't clown, just get down. Everyone, please take care and do yourself a favor and remember that there's a huge difference between worry and concern. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.